Well, this morning I have entitled the message, Give Thanks. And if you've noticed the subtitle on the screen, you may have already concluded what today's message is about. We are going to be talking about generosity and tithing today. And you are excited about it. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that I came to church this morning because talking about generosity and tithing is everybody's favorite subject in church, right? And so if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and you're squirming in your seat, you just let the person next to you know it's because you're sitting in a pew and it has nothing to do with the message that we are about to embark on this morning. Uh, I'm tackling, more seriously, I'm tackling the, the topic of giving and generosity and, and specifically tithing today because I figure what better time to talk about this topic than on Thanksgiving when we, as we've just talked about, we give thanks for everything that we have. And as followers of Christ, we understand that that all that we have received has come from our Father in heaven. And this weekend is all about giving thanks to him for all of the good things that come down from the Father of lights. And really, that's the heart behind tithing. It is giving back to God a portion of what he has blessed us with. It is one of the ways that we demonstrate tangibly our thankfulness to him as our heavenly father. So I want to I want to start by sharing my motivation behind this message and lay before you just one thing that I think is important as we tackle this topic this morning. And my motivation is this, that as followers of Christ, we are called to live a life of generosity And I am convinced from what I see in scripture, from all of the times that Jesus talks about money, from how scriptural principles are reinforced in our world and in the church, that an individual's financial generosity is a strong indicator of a surrendered heart to Jesus Christ. And how we view and spend our money is a major factor in the faithfulness of our walk with the Lord. And one of the primary scriptures that convinces me of that is Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 24. We all know them. They are so popular. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, in this scripture, Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room. He deliberately makes this statement very clear and very narrow. He's saying in this context, there are two things that can have mastery over our lives. God or money. And we have to choose to give our devotion to one or the other. We cannot be devoted to both. And our generosity is a telltale sign of where our devotion lies. For anyone who's devoted themselves to money in the past, and now you are devoted to the Lord, you know how empty a life devoted to money is. Chasing money, chasing goods. 
And so this morning, I want to, with the help of the Spirit, move the dial for us a little bit who need it to be moved so that our devotion is toward God. Because I want all of us, every single one of us here, everyone who calls this church home, I want us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ in every area of our lives, fully surrendered to him or else what's the point? Like, what's the point of Sunday mornings if we're not going to live it out in every area of our life? Then it just becomes doing church instead of being the church. And so if Jesus talks about money and the importance of it, then we need to talk about it because it's important in our lives as followers of Jesus. And so we're talking about tithing specifically because I think that's where all of our generosity should start. Being generous with the portion of our money that is due back to God. Understanding that all we have comes from him and is not ultimately owned by us anyways. We are stewarding everything that the Lord has given us. And especially as followers of Christ, we have devoted and given our lives and our allegiance to a king and his Kingdom and everything is ultimately owned by him. And so when we tithe, when we give, we are just giving back to God what already belongs to him. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 24, 1 says everything is his. And so when we talk about tithing, we are talking about giving back to God what is already God's. The other reason why we're focused specifically on tithing is because I know how much of a problem it is in Jesus's church. It's not a mystery that Christians struggle with it because there's a lot of data that shows that. According to the latest data, only 10 to 25 percent of regular attenders tithe to their church. And so not even a quarter of Christians are regularly tithing to their church. In addition to that, 80% of Christians say that they give around 2.5% of their total income every year. That's to all charitable causes, whatever money they give to the church, that's everything. And if we're honest, that's not very much. To give us an idea of how little that is, statistics from the 1930s in the midst of the Great Depression show that followers of Christ were giving more of their money away than we do now. So our generosity is important to talk about because God's words puts a lot of emphasis on it. Now, the thing that I think is important for me to say before we go further. One of the reasons why pastors shy away from talking about this topic is because the tithe in the church benefits them in some way. Right? Like it's not a mystery that tithing benefits me. That's where my paycheck comes from. I am paid by the faithful men and women who give here. And because of that, When you talk about it as a pastor, there is a concern that some will think that there is an ulterior motive to you addressing this topic. But I can tell you this morning, I am not looking to buy a jet. (laughs) All right? Like, I'm not. Not interested in it. Okay? And I hope that there's enough trust in this place to know that my aim is deepening our walk with Christ and nothing else. And to that point, to put your minds at ease, our giving is great here. 
Like we're in good shape financially as a church. And so this is not, there's no ulterior motives other than just talking about the biblical principle of tithes. I know that our church is in good shape. What I don't know is who gives. As a pastor, I keep myself completely away from the financial aspect of the church. I get a a monthly, here's our budget, here's our expenses, that's it. I don't know who gives. Because I want to be able to speak to this kind of thing the same to every single person in here, plainly about it, from biblical principles. And so this morning, we're going to go through scripture and examine what God's word tells us about generosity and about tithing. And I want to leave us with a biblical foundation of generosity and tithing so that we know what scripture says. And so let's pray. Father, I pray for your help this morning as we go through this topic. Lord, I know that it's not one that's enjoyable for some people. We don't like to talk about this in church, but we must because Jesus talked about it a lot. So Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Father, that through your word, your Holy Spirit would teach us. And Lord, I ask that you would work in our hearts as you do every Sunday to speak to your people, to make us more like Jesus Christ, and to make us a people who are marked by generosity. Thank you, Lord, as we give thanks to you for all that you have given us. We want to give back to you a portion from the goodness that you have shown us. So help us to hear and help us to learn this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. In his series um, called Guardrails, Andy Stanley talked about the number one reason or number one thing that keeps a person from being fully devoted to God. And, And he jokingly said, you may or may not be surprised that it's not the devil. It's not the number one thing at least not directly, that keeps people from being devoted to God. It's not like people are at home kind of pondering, oh, should I worship God or should I worship the devil? Like, that's not really a problem, a question that we wrestle with. He says the biggest struggle for most people is about surrender and about dependence. Do I surrender myself and put my dependence in God or do I continue to place my trust in my own wealth and worldly things. So for the Christian, there can be the same struggle in the area of our finances. Do I surrender and trust God by giving a portion back to him? Or do I keep it all for myself? Because we all got bills. right? And I could use that portion that I'm giving to God to pay my expenses. Now I know as I approach this topic this morning, I'm, I'm walking into a lifelong debate, an ongoing debate in the Christian church about the legitimacy of tithing in the church. We've all heard the debates and maybe we've taken part in some of them, right? Tithing is an Old Testament concept and so it's not relevant anymore. I give to other causes which I consider my tithe. It doesn't have to be to the church. I give of my time and so why do I have to give of my money? And so while those questions, they are legitimate questions that need to be answered. What I would say to anyone asking those questions is to examine our hearts as to why we are asking them. If we are asking those questions as a follower of Jesus because we have legitimate concerns about what is right and we want to honor the Lord, that is beautiful. But if we use those questions to keep from surrendering or as an excuse to surrendering our money to the Lord, that's a problem. 
And I'll give you some other questions that may run through your mind if it's the latter rather than the former. You'll have the the following mindset if you struggle to surrender your finances. You'll ask questions like, how little can I give? What do I have to do to be right with God? How much can I keep for myself? Those are questions that reveal a heart that struggles with generosity and finances. Because the kinds of questions that followers of Christ should be asking is, how much can I give? How much do I have to keep for myself? Those are the kinds of questions that we should be asking as followers of Jesus. And so as we cover this topic, I want to answer three questions. Where did tithing come from? What is expected of us and why do we give? So let's tackle the first question. Where did tithing come from? Well, tithe tithe means a tenth part. And that's where the idea of 10% came from. And the idea of giving a tenth part to God is first seen in the life of Abraham when he comes across King Melchizedek and he gives him a portion of the spoils from the battle of King Chedorlaomer when he was trying to rescue Lot. And so just a side note in regards to King Melchizedek, that guy is a mysterious figure in scripture. You ever read about him and question, who is this guy? After the battle in Genesis 14, Abraham, he meets him on the road and Melchizedek is described as the high priest of God. The name Melchizedek itself means king of righteousness. And this king's appearance is and disappearance is rather sudden and kind of mysterious. And some Christian scholars actually believe that Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. While others believe Melchizedek was a type of Christ like Moses in the Old Testament. And so in in Psalm 110 and Matthew 22, it talks about Melchizedek as a type of Christ. But for those who believe he was a pre-incarnate Jesus, this conclusion comes primarily from what is written about him in Hebrews 7. I'm going to read it for you and just think about, does this sound like an ordinary man? Says verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. That's a rather interesting description of him if he were merely a man. So the question is, is it literal or is it figurative? So, so maybe it was a pre-incarnate Jesus or maybe it was just a type of Christ. But either way, he was God's high priest. He was the highest representation of God on the earth at that time. And when Abraham met him, he gave him a tithe. In Melchizedek, verse four, or Genesis 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine, come on. <laughs> he was the high priest of God. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The next time we see this kind of practice recorded in scripture is Abraham's grandson, Jacob. 
After Isaac blesses Jacob and he sends him off to go find a wife, Jacob has a dream which he meets with God and God extends the promise to Jacob that he had given to Abraham. And when Jacob woke up, he set up an altar to the Lord and he makes a vow of his own back to God to commit a tenth of everything he has to him. God promises he will be with Jacob and Jacob responds that since God has promised that he is with me, I will give a portion back to him. Genesis 28, 22. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. And so we see the practice of tithing in the life of Abraham. We see the practice of tithing in the life of Jacob in response to God's faithfulness to them. Now, what should be very, very informative for us as followers of Jesus in the debate around tithing is that these two instances is that this concept is present in the lives of God's people before it became a command in the law of Moses. Abraham and Jacob had no command from the Lord to tithe, and yet it was on their heart to do so. And as I reflected on it this week, I felt like the Lord brought to my mind the the concept that Paul speaks about in Romans chapter 2. Right, That the law is written on our hearts. That even without the law, God has put it in our beings. It is stamped on us. And Abraham and, and Jacob just knew what to do. So from there, tithing became an official act commanded by God for his people in the law, specifically given to them in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27, 30 to 32. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wishes to redeem some of his tithe, he shall add a fifth to it. And every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. So we see that a tenth of all produce, flocks, and herds was considered holy and given back to God. But how did the Israelite people give their tithe to him? <coughs> Sorry. The tithes were given to the Levites, who, although they were one of the 12 tribes of Israel, they were not given an inheritance by the Lord in the promised land. God had told the Levites their inheritance would be the tithes from the people. So they relied on the tithes from the other tribes of Israel in order to live. The Levites were charged by God to work in service of the tabernacle, which was the meeting place for God and his people. And they would receive the tithe from the people that was brought into the tabernacle. Now, though the Levites were not given any portion of the land, they were also commanded by God to tithe. And so the Levites would also tithe to the Lord from their portion of whatever they received from the other tribes. And all of this is laid out in Numbers 18, starting in verse 21, if you want to read it. But we can see that tithing was on the hearts of God's people before the law, which should be significant to us. And tithing was given as a specific command in the law for God's people. And so that's where it came from. But the next question is, what is expected of us? Well, first, as I said at the beginning, we are called to be a people marked by generosity. 
And I believe that we are called to live in the same spirit as Abraham and Jacob. Giving to the Lord, not under old covenant obligation, but under new covenant freedom. Not done as a requirement, but as a joyful offering flowing from our hearts of thankfulness to the Lord. And like the tithe going to the tabernacle in the Old Testament, our giving to God comes into our local church. We should absolutely give to organizations and be generous beyond just our church. But such giving is an offering. It is not a tithe. Above and beyond what we give God our first fruits. Look at God's expectation for the spirit of tithing that he wants his people to have. In Leviticus 27, 33. One shall not differentiate between good or bad. Neither shall he make a substitute for it. And if he does substitute for it, then both it and the substitute shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. Numbers 18, 29, speaking to the Levites, he says, Out of all the gifts to you, you shall present every contribution due to the Lord. From each, its best part is to be dedicated. In these two scriptures, we see the principle of first fruits or giving God our best that's clearly commanded. Leviticus 27, 33 warned that when the Israelites gave their tithe, they had better not go through what was given and switch out a good portion that was to be the Lord's with a lesser portion. So for example, if the 10th lamb was rather plump and looked good for food, they better not switch it out with a skinnier one and give God the skinnier one. God says, if you do that, I get both. We should live by the same principle. This means when we get paid, our tithe should be the first thing that gets put aside. It's the best. It's the first fruits. And that is what God wants. It shows in the life of a believer where our priority lies. We don't get paid, spend it on what we want and then give God what remains. He wants to be first and deserves to be first in all things. Now, I want to speak to what some of you here may be feeling, especially in this time when everything is so expensive. Some here may be thinking, in my financial situation, there's no way I can give. And here's what I would say to that Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Go before Him and ask Him Can I trust you with what little I have? And see what he does with it. I understand the uneasiness of being tight financially. The idea of giving a portion away is counterintuitive. I don't discount the struggle with that. But I also know it is in that space where God shows up. Our Father does not expect us to give if we have nothing. But he wants us to be generous even out of the little that we may have. It's a matter of trust. Consider Mark 12, 41 to 44. This is Jesus. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you, 
This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. These verses show what tithing and giving and generosity is all about. It's about trust. It's not about how much someone can give. It's about how willing all of us are to trust the Lord with the abundance that we have or the little that he has given us. The poor widow is an example of someone who is last by worldly standards. But she's one of those that will go up to the kingdom of heaven and she'll be first because of her faith and her trust in the Lord. Last question. Why do we give? When I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about my children. When Aria was younger, and, and now Micah does it the odd time, um, they have this tendency that when they want something, they become really generous. <laughs> any, any other parents relate to that? Right, so if, if Micah wants a candy from the cupboard, all of a sudden it's, Daddy, can I get you a candy from the cupboard? <laughs> Daddy, do you want candy? In the hopes of like, yeah, and take one for yourself. He's got ulterior motives. Aria used to do the same thing. Every parent knows those are not giving motives. Right? This is not the heart of giving. We do not give to get. That is not generosity. That is doing a business transaction. That is hoping for a return on investment. And while God has said, test me in this and I will show my faithfulness and I will bless you, that is not why we give. We give as an act of worship to our God who has given us everything. Not just to us in the form of stuff and money and talents and family and friends and shelter and food and functioning bodies, though he has given us all of those things, but he didn't stop there. He also gave everything for us. Because what I know about every single person in this room, you were dead in your trespasses. I was dead in my trespasses. We were rebellious against God and he showed his mercy and he showed his grace and he showed his abundant generosity by making a way for us to be redeemed. He said, I'm not going to hold anything back from you. In fact, here is my son on a cross so that you can be redeemed. He knew it meant he was going to experience death. But he gave him freely because he loves us. And as people who have experienced such abundant grace, such abundant generosity from our Father, we give back to Him. Yes, through our time. Yes, through our talent. And yes, through our treasure. When we give, we honor God as the Lord of our lives, knowing, as I said in the beginning, He owns everything anyways. And you know what's so crazy about it? Is that when you give, you don't, you don't do it to be blessed. 
That should never be our motivation. You do it because you want to please your heavenly father. But somehow in the process, you always seem to be blessed by it. Like I'm sure you've heard it over and over and over. I've experienced in my life. God is so much better with my 90% than I am with my 100%. Oh my goodness. I have more when I give it away. It doesn't make sense. Talk to Mike. He has a good story about tithing. You can talk to him after. And so give. But do it with the right motivation. Not because I spoke on it. Not out of guilt. But because God wants us to be generous. And we should want to give back to him. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I believe that tithing is an important practice in the life of a believer. Not under obligation, to do it according to the Old Testament law, but under desire to do it under the new covenant as an important spiritual practice for building generosity into the life of a believer and giving thanks back to our Heavenly Father for everything that He has done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, first and foremost, for your Son, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you came and that you ransomed us through the cross. We were in desperate need. We could not save ourselves, and you saw fit to come and die on a cross so that we could be redeemed and with you in eternity, and we give you thanks for that this morning. Father, may we genuinely be people who, we say it, but but may our hearts believe it, that absolutely everything we have is yours. Like I, I don't own anything. It's all yours. I'm just stewarding it for you in the time that, that I'm here on earth until I go to be with you in heaven. And Lord, knowing that, may it make us so generous. Father, knowing that everything that came from you, may we have hearts that want to give back to you in all areas of our lives, including finances. You've just done so much for us. So Lord, may it be not out of compulsion. May it be not out of guilt, but may it be out of an act of worship. May it be out of a, a right understanding of who you are and who we are and an understanding of our stuff. Lord, may we be people who lay up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Lord, I thank you for each person here this morning. I thank you for what you are doing in their lives. I thank you that we get to hear some of the amazing things. And I thank you that you are faithful, that you will continue to work in the hearts of your people all of our days here on earth. You're not done with us until we go to be with you. So work in us, Father. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Renew us afresh, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.